0: I think I've always kind of taken that approach in my own life. I'm very fortunate to have parents who who weren't like trying to pressure me into certain things or like, you know, we're kind of supportive of like, do what makes you happy kind of thing. So I think that helps. Like, I think a lot of the, the needing to know where exactly where you're going can sometimes come from like familial inputs or obviously there's a lot of societal inputs there as well. But I think I, for the most part, had a, been pretty good at not feeling overly driven towards a single path but over time is when i like became more aware of how many people do experience that pressure and so like over time i became more passionate about trying to like articulate why like different different ways of thinking about it
1: What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you, what want, you want to do want with to your do life? life? <laughs> Understandably, a tough question for any 20 something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up.
0: My name is Rebecca Bastian. I am the CEO and co founder of Own Trail, which is the the shortest way of saying what I do, I can give a really long answer to that also because I consider myself to be very multi-hyphenate in terms of my interests and activities. I live in Seattle. I have two kids that are 8 and 10. And yeah, my, my startup trail is a platform for women to visualize and navigate our life paths. And so it's a really vibrant community of women supporting and helping each other and really connecting authentically and the antidote to social media is the way we think about it. And I think a lot of my life outside of that is also really grounded in authenticity and community and and connecting and helping and stuff. So that's, that's a big part of who I am.
1: Awesome. All right. Yeah, that's a light intro. So we'll kind of dive into... I wasn't sure how, how
0: far you wanted me to get out to tell a life story, you
1: know. <laughs> we'll get there. So we'll start at the beginning. So one of the things I thought was interesting based off of your own trail and yours individually was that you mentioned that you failed out of college the first time. So if we could kind of start there, if you could go into a little bit about that journey and how you eventually, you know, ended up graduating with your degree and kind of moving forward from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like short answer is just, you know, kind of at a kind of a train wreck point in my life then. And it's almost weird that I got into college, but I actually went to college on a music scholarship the first time, but it was just kind of partying and not focused and it's not really um there for a strong reason, I guess. And so after after filling out there, I moved to Seattle with a guy that I was dating at the time, just for, for lack of any better ideas of what to do next. And and I was actually experiencing some panic attacks at the time too. And it was just, it was a, it was a rough period for sure. When I moved up here, I started, I was working for, for a while and then I started taking some classes at the community college. And that's where, well, first of all, I, I started, going to community college, working really hard at it. Cause I think I was so freaked out about like, I'll probably fail out of this too, which is silly in retrospect. Like obviously if I'm putting myself into something, then it's going to go a lot better than if I'm not. But I, that's where I kind of discovered my love of engineering related stuff. And so I ended up after a couple of years there transferring to University of Washington here and doing an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. And then I went to graduate school in Berkeley, also for mechanical engineering And that's the last that I did mechanical engineering. (laughs) I haven't really done it career wise at all. So, but it was, you know, it's, I think with a lot of degrees, it ends up being more about like the soft skills you learn through it, you know, in this case around problem solving and thinking analytically and working through hard things and collaborating on projects and stuff like that. And so I ended up moving back to seattle and getting a job at microsoft after that as a program manager which is a job i hadn't heard of but i kind of showed up to the wrong interview (laughs) i I thought i was going to a hardware interview and and the guy's like i know how to give that interview i'll give you a product manager interview and so i ended up at Microsoft for a few years doing that and then from and the whole reason I did that was because I wanted to get also for a boy I wanted to get back to Seattle for my boyfriend and this one actually is my husband now so that <laughs> move worked out but but yeah it's you know I mentioned this because I think a lot of times we can look back and tell a really clean story like connecting the dots in arrears but in reality like a lot of decisions at least in my life they haven't been overly strategic or or planned out or even know where they're going to lead but I think staying open to to possibilities has has been a good kind of approach for me
1: so what's like the underlying theme behind these various positions and companies that you've worked at
0: I mean professionally it's definitely all been focused on creative problem solving and like deep collaboration with a wide range of people i think that's kind of you know because so from microsoft also not in a strategic way i went looking for another job because i needed to commute there and i ended up at zillow as a pretty early product manager there one of the one of the very early employees there when we were still in stealth mode and i stayed there for almost 15 years i really grew in my career going from entry level into vice president of product and then starting a new org within the company as vice president of community and culture. And so I worked on so many different areas and so many different people, but I think that that thread of solving ambiguous and difficult problems in a really kind of creative way. And, you know, it's very kind of combination of human and data-driven decision-making. And that's, that's taken me through it professionally. I think, you know, I think the other thing you don't see when you're looking at someone's professional journey is like the full view of their life because, you know, I think we've been kind of taught to compartmentalize our personal and professional lives so much. So you might look at my LinkedIn and my resume and see like career progression there. But like, you know, like I mentioned a lot of decisions I've made in my career were based on personal factors. And, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways I've grown even more in my personal life than I have in my professional life over, over you know, the past couple decades or whatever and so that's that's kind of back to own trail which is what we're building now is really like why I think it's so important to show what the journey looks like across our personal professional lives to really understand how people got where they are and and the the non-linear path that I think most of us take
1: yeah no and I think it also brings um an element of the human back to the computer screen as well it's like yeah. you know you never know who's looking at it and. Maybe someone connects with something that happened in your personal life that you posted, but wouldn't necessarily be on your LinkedIn because that just wouldn't fit there. And that becomes a point of conversation that you kind of go down. Um, And I think that's pretty cool because you're kind of, you're meshing more of the the human outside of work with the human at work rather than just the human at work. Because anybody, you can be whoever you want at work and, you know when you go home, you're someone different if you want it to be. So I think that's one of the cool things that you all do and and what Own Trail allows people to kind of show that side of themselves.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you said, I think is a really important point too, because like, yes, oftentimes we are kind of a different person at work, but I'm not sure that's the healthiest state to be in. And I think that the people that are the happiest in their careers or like in the places they work tend to be people who don't have to necessarily assimilate or like change how they're showing up in order to fit in to a box that isn't really them, right? You know, I think historically in a lot of companies or institutions, there is a lack of diverse representation. And so people who hold kind of majority identities have an easier time being being themselves in that space because it's molded around who they are. And so if, if the identities you hold are underrepresented, that can make it harder. I think that, you know, if you if you think about the future of the workplace and where it should be going, is that it's it's more inclusive for a broader range of identities so that you don't have to necessarily put on that different persona in the workplace. Because, you know, I think that any mental energy we spend on trying to fit in in a way that's not ourselves, is mental energy that's not going into doing great work or being more creative or, you know, so yeah, kind of a tangent on that one, but I think <laughs> it's, it's important to recognize and like the, the why behind why we think authenticity is so important on our own trail.
1: So what's the, I don't want to say end goal, but that's, that's the placeholder I'm going to use for right now. So people build their trails and and you're seeing, you know, their evolution as they go from job to job or they have things happen in their lives and they place it in there are you trying to build a community? Or are you trying to like solely build the product or like a mesh or like, what are you trying to do?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a very community driven product. Like OwnTrail creates this space for women to be showing up as, you know, authentically and, and sharing their journeys and working towards their aspirations or navigating what they're going through. But like, the thing that the magic, <laughs> the secret ingredient there is the community, is the women who are sharing their trails and who are helping each other through their journeys. And you know, yes, a product is needed in order to create that space, but without the community, it's it's nothing. And we definitely see it as a really community-driven kind of uh, product and business um, approach as well, where we we connect deeply and learn a lot from our community in terms of. Where to be, what direction to be taking this as well? The vision is pretty huge. You know, we we really aspire to be the place where all all women can go to navigate their lives and to move towards their aspirations. And the ripple effect from that is the big part, right? Because like, as soon as there's real authentic data about an intersectional array of women's lives that exists in the world, and as soon as women are taking action to take up space, Fully as themselves and achieve what they want to be achieving. There's huge ripple effects in terms of belief systems, decision making, just like kind of the systems that impact our lives. And so I'm not stopping it anytime soon. <laughs>
1: There's a lot to do there. It sounds like it. So two questions from that. The first is Did you have a pre-established community of some sort, whether it be personal or maybe in some other brand that was kind of running in parallel with it? before you started own in order to build up this community or what was your thought process with building a community for for it?
0: Yeah, I mean we've been growing through word of mouth. We didn't necessarily have we didn't know we didn't have like a community in place per se that was like, you know, like we didn't have like a big Instagram following that we migrated over or whatever. <laughs> you know, like that's sometimes a playbook. But I think, you know, because we're growing organically and we're we're early stage that I think the the co-founders do have. A lot of like, you know, like we started with kind of reaching out to our networks. And, you know, I think my co founder Katie and I are both have pretty broad and diverse networks ourselves. And so starting with that, and then it kind of organically grows the word of mouth from there. And I like the idea for Own Trail started with this book that I wrote, Blaze Your Own Trail. And they launched at the same time. So the book came out on the same day that the company launched. And so we were able to use a little bit of book launch publicity to like drive awareness early on as well. But yeah, it's been, I mean, I guess the, the interesting thing is that when I look at like who are the most engaged and passionate members of the Own Trail community, they're almost a hundred percent people I didn't know before this. So it like, yes, our initial networks kind of helped to spread the word, but I think that the, the people that Own trail has really resonated the most for are, you know, a whole new community that we've kind of discovered and brought together through this process.
1: And then this kind of carries off with that. So that's interesting that you didn't have that the community's been a lot of word of mouth. And so, you know, you want to be that one like place where women come for their for their journeys and stuff like that. Do you have cohorts or anything like that? Like what's the process like when people are in the community? Do you have like AMAs? Like what what does it look like?
0: Yeah. I mean, so the The biggest kind of engagement touch points are, so women share their trails, and then you kind of discover other people's trails through exploration, but also over the past two months anyway, we've launched this new feature called Help Beacons, where women can ask for help from the community around milestones that they're navigating or that they're working towards, and the community really rallies around to help them. So I think a lot of the kind of connection touch points are around that asking for help and giving help as a way of really taking action on, and then people connect more deeply from there. So there's kind of like connection that happens from just discovering really interesting stories and wanting to get to know them more. But I think that that giving and getting help is really kind of driving that. We have a program called Trail Guides, which is our the, the paid part of UnTrail, where women sign up for this $10 a month subscription to, to go through different synchronous conversations and different kind of reflection prompts and stuff to connect more deeply and reflect more deeply with each other. So there's that, but I think most like the free product, which is what we're mostly focused on still, because we really want to grow to be this ubiquitous platform that can reach all women. Like that's more asynchronous and that's more based on the, the product and the platform as opposed to like, we're not really doing We do like occasional events and and speakers and stuff, but we're not doing a ton. It's not like super event-based or
1: anything. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That's very cool. It's kind of, you know, I like, I think I like the help beacons a lot and how I'm assuming from, you know, what I've seen about you all online and stuff that it's a very like warm and welcoming environment. And so people are naturally going to be more inclined to share those types of things and I think it's awesome that you're creating a space where people feel welcome enough to ask for help on things that maybe they wouldn't know where else to go or or who to ask and stuff like that
0: yeah it's really cool to see because it's like so I mean from the beginning we've been looking at the a sense of like trust and vulnerability in terms of what people are sharing on their trails and that definitely has been going up over time I think there's this thing with like authenticity breeds authenticity and when you see other people being really authentic and vulnerable you feel safer doing that yourself but you're right like asking for help is a very vulnerable act and it's something that a lot of us don't do you know I think especially because own trail is centered on women that Women notoriously give more help than they, than they ask for, too. And, and so, yeah, even like even if the the thing that you're asking for help on isn't like an overly vulnerable milestone, like maybe it's like I'm looking to connect with hiring managers for this kind of job or whatever, like getting a job is not the most vulnerable thing, but asking for help can be. And we just don't do that as much. And so I think that, yeah, I've been really moved by... Seeing what people are asking for and, and putting out there, and then like seeing those asks get responded to in in really meaningful ways.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. What prompted you to write the book?
0: Okay, so so Blaze Ground Trail is, do you know like the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Yeah. As a child, yeah. So it's that format where like essentially the, the table of contents is a decision tree. Like you make a decision at the end of each chapter, and that tells you what chapter to go to next. So and it's exploring the different decisions and pathways that women take through our personal and professional lives. So the kind of the need for that it had been building for a long time, which was just basically observing how many women felt like that I've talked to were like felt like they need to know where they're going and how they're going to get there and hoping they don't get it wrong. And there's this kind of stress that would come from that expectation of a clean, linear path. And I was always like, There is no one right path, you know, like you can't get it wrong because there's no right and you're going to be okay. There's going to be all these twists and turns. And I think like I really wanted to drill in that message. And also like the solidarity that comes from knowing you're not the only one going through tough stuff, even if that happens to be like stuff that's not been as normalized. And so people aren't talking about it as much, you know. So those were like really kind of the. The reasons that drove me to want to write this and the format, the choose your own adventure thing just actually came to me like in the middle of the night. I just woke up with an idea, which you can ask my co-founder, that kind of thing happens pretty often to me. I'm I'm the one that's always slacking her at like 3 a.m. with big ideas, but (laughs) but that's that's how the book came about.
1: Awesome. Have you always had kind of that conviction of everything's going to work out right? Okay. And like people don't have one set linear path. Like, I think people know that on some subconscious level, but consciously it's like, oh my gosh, I need to have it all figured out. I need to go this direction because everybody else is going this direction. It looks like that I'm just going to go this direction. And I think that's a really interesting perspective to be able to like step outside of and to be grounded in a sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I think I've always kind of taken that approach in my own life. I'm very fortunate to have parents who, who weren't like trying to pressure me into certain things or like you know were kind of supportive of like do what makes you happy kind of thing. So I think that helps. Like I think a lot of the the needing to know where exactly where you're going can sometimes come from like familial inputs or obviously there's a lot of societal inputs there as well. But I think I for the most part had a had, been pretty good at not feeling overly driven towards a single path. But over time is when I like became more aware of how many people do experience that pressure. And so like over time, I became more passionate about trying to like (laughs) articulate why like different, different ways of thinking about it. You know, I think as I grew into more leadership and mentorship roles, I had more opportunities to both hear what other people's experiences or thoughts were and have a voice towards trying to hopefully help people feel a little bit more confident and relaxed from from the idea of just being on a journey and not necessarily knowing exactly where it's leading.
1: Well, I tell you that needs to be like a college prep course 101 <laughs> or like a, a high school prep <laughs> course 101 because I've spent i been out of school for uh, two and a half years and it took me, so, well, I'm getting better now. Like now the past few months have been pretty good, but it was like a solid year and a half where I was like, oh my God, people are either in grad school or they have like, quote unquote, corporate jobs, and they're doing the thing. And I'm over here trying to do something that's like completely different and trying to figure that out. And so like battling the sense of I don't want this. And I like fully know that. But at the same time, like there is that sense of stability and like they're having different things that I'm getting. And it is a very tough spot to be in. But like being reassured by something like this or like knowing kind of stepping back and looking at other people's journeys, like, you know, you didn't get to where you were. And a day, or like you didn't know that when you left school, definitely helps kind of step back a little bit and realize that, like, oh, okay, they were twenty-two years old and had no idea what to do at some point too.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I was in a lot less of a together spot when I was twenty-two, to be fair, but then <laughs> <laughs> probably you are, or you know, I, I definitely took my time getting getting my shit together. And, and I'm still unpacking stuff, you know, like, I think that having been in the corporate world for so long, like I definitely was pushing a lot of boundaries on in terms of like, you know, being myself and helping other people to be that and creating, you know, better, better systems within corporate life for a long time. And had some really good experiences with that, but, you know, being out on my own founding of startup now, I've, I've found even new levels of like freedom and a drive to like Stop trying to like get a seat at existing tables that aren't as inclusionary, and build my own tables and work with other people to do so too. And I mean, it's it's a lifelong process. If that's something that you're passionate about, is really finding that creative and social freedom. Like you keep unpacking layers as you go, because there's a lot that gets ingrained in us, you
1: know. Yeah, no, that's true. That is cool. How was how has the process been so far? Because the company's been around for a year and a half, right?
0: We launched. Yeah. So we've been working on it for about two years and
1: launched about a year and a half ago. Yeah. All right. So, how's it been going? What's been the best part? And what's been maybe not the worst part, but something maybe you didn't expect that was like a little hiccup?
0: Yeah. I mean, the best part's definitely been like working on something that I'm so passionate about and working with incredible people. And that's both the people that are like on our team at M and the community that's rallied around us. Like, I've met more cool people in the past a couple years than ever. And that's saying a lot because I've known a lot of cool people through my life, you know, but it's just like, that's just been really energizing. And the hardest part has been fundraising, (laughs) which interestingly is the part where we're most trying to like fit into existing systems, which is like getting people who write you know, angel or or and check out checks into startups to like understand our vision without compromising on our values at all. And so, which fortunately we have done, and we have a very diverse set of investors who are all really aligned with our values and supportive, but it took a lot of work to find those right people. And so that was, I think, mean, harder than I expected, or I didn't even like, I didn't even think that much about that part of <laughs> building a business, which is ridiculous, but it ends up being a a big part of it, right? Because, you know, especially for us, because we're not, we're really focused on creating this free platform that can be really accessible to all women first and, you know, and being really intentional about how we monetize it. Like we will never sell people to advertisers, full stop. And so, because of that, you, you do need some capital up front to like pay people and stuff. And so, <laughs> that part of it was, has, has been and probably will continue to be challenging, but, um, but also learning a lot and finding our people along the way.
1: Did you ever think that you would be to the point that you're at right? Well,
0: I certainly didn't visualize it as clearly as what it is. You know, I mean, it's one of it those like you don't really know what it's like to build a business until you're building one. And even like as a very early employee at Zillow, like I definitely had the early stage startup experience, but it's different than like having it be your own your own business. And and I love it. Like I think you know it's interesting because I did for a long time. Think oh, I would love to start a company someday. And like, I had this idea in my head that like, oh, I probably wouldn't do that though because I couldn't handle like the early stage startup hustle culture again. Like it's so exhausting and consuming. And it's funny that it took me quite a while to realize that like, oh, if I'm the one building the company, I get to set the culture and it doesn't have to be hustle culture. Like we can, like we prioritize, you know, taking care of our mental health and not getting close to burnout. And you know, like, Obviously, you can do that when it's your own company, but like for so long, like I think we have this vision of you know, and definitely in the early Zillow days, I had a blast, but it was pretty around the clock for a while there, and it was really exhausting. And I'm like, oh, I have a family now. I have like so many things that are important to me in my life. I don't want to be around the clock working on a startup. And it turns out, like you, we're doing. I think I think our whole team would agree. We're probably doing the best work of our careers, and we're doing it without burning ourselves out or without having that that kind of puzzle experience and so it is doable and i think it just took a little while to to realize that we could create it that way
1: (laughs) yeah now that you're the boss you're the one making the (laughs) rules
0: yeah totally it's like yeah there's not one playbook there's a lot of things they're doing different than you know what you what you might see on like silicon valley or whatever you
1: know (laughs) is it because like in part the well, I guess I'll come back to that in a second. But an interesting question is, what does work mean to you? Like, what is your idea of work and kind of how it plays in, into life?
0: Well, I really like the the kind of framing of work-life integration instead of work-life balance, because, well, if you're lucky enough to be doing work that, that fuels you and that gives you energy, as opposed to sucking out the energy from you, then... You're not necessarily trying to always compartmentalize it and, and being like, these are the times that I'm working or like, I, I'm thinking about internal all the time. Cause I'm just so excited about what we're doing and I have ideas all the time. And sometimes when it's like the weekend, and I feel like I can use a little me time that me time looks like going and writing, writing out some like product vision stuff that I'm thinking about, you know? So I think that having that, that integration and certainly like I, I, need to and want to prioritize my family and and creative outlets and other things that that are important in my life but yeah that's it's an ideal state of work you know sometimes work has to be just about you know getting a paycheck because you you know you have to do this work in order to get it but ideally it can be something that really energizes you and then you just have a lot of capacity for fitting it in 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 all different parts of your conscious and and subconscious self yeah
1: did you have that mindset pre true?
0: I've been pretty lucky that like the whole time, almost the whole time I was at Zillow, I was pretty energized by things that I was doing like in my day job, but also like I did a lot of different side projects there. Like that's basically how the whole community and culture team formed was I'd spent years, you know, doing a lot of work around social impact and diversity initiatives and stuff like that on the side. And then kind of realized I wanted to make that in my, my day job. But I think, combination of side projects and what i was working on and the people i was working with i was you know for the most part really enjoying my days and not looking at the clock or waiting for them to be over i didn't really feel that at microsoft to be honest like you know (laughs) i think might have been where i was in my career what org i was in which was very legacy like a lot of things there but that i didn't feel as like excited about it and that was actually something that was really cool. When I went over to Zillow, it was like, Oh, I can be really excited about work. Like I just kind of assumed that's not what it felt like to have a, a career, you know, it's a lucky state to be in, you know, and I think, and it, you know, it can also, of course, ebb and flow based on things. Like, I don't think anyone should necessarily have the goal of like doing nothing but, but energizing and exciting things. I mean, like as the CEO of Ownchell, I also do a t- ton of shit work too, because like we're a small team and I need to do that, you know, and I'm in charge of all of our accounting and, and legal and HR, you know, so, you know, the goal shouldn't be to like only, only do really fun things all day, but that like the overall why for why you're doing the things is energizing to you, I
1: think. Many, many, many hats, it seems yeah. like. <laughs> to <laughs> How many people are on the team right now? Eight. Well, about to be eight. We have
0: someone starting in a week and a half. So there's about to be six full-time and two part-time on the team.
1: Okay. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. you yeah, are I growing. Mean,
0: small, but growing. And it's it's a really, really phenomenal team.
1: Are you growing more on, like, the development side and building that out? Or, like, is there a specific area or kind of just across the board?
0: So we'll, we're about to have three developers, starting with one and then two and now three. So that's exciting. We have one designer who we were just able to convert from part-time to full-time. She's amazing, my co-founder and I, and so Katie's really comes from kind of a brand and marketing background, and I came from a a product background. And so that's the the six full-time, and then we have two part-time marketing people as well.
1: So what's the story of you and your co-founder? Was it an initial inception, like, you know, you had the idea together after reading your book and kind of like talking about it, or was it you approached her and you're like, hey, I want you to join me on this?
0: Yeah, it was actually really serendipitous. Um, I didn't know her before this. We, I had already started, just barely started thinking about and working on OwnTrail. I had pulled in Carolyn, who's our VP of engineering, and I've known her. She, she and I actually used to commute to Microsoft together years ago. So I've known her for a long time. So she was starting to work on it and another engineer that was helping early on and a designer that we had early on. And so we're just starting to to do some stuff. And I met Katie at an event that... I almost didn't go to, and that she almost didn't go to <laughs> and and we connected and exchanged business cards. remember business cards? Um, <laughs> we, we did that more about like a collaboration between our day jobs that we that we thought we could maybe do, and she emailed me and asked me out on a friend date she she hadn't been in Seattle for that long and we was still kind of looking for finding her people here and asked if I wanted to go get coffee with her sometime and so when we did that, I started telling her about this vision I had for own trail and she just like totally got it and was like, yes. And like, she, you know, she was like immediately kind of adding to the vision, And so we like kept talking a few times after that. And I knew I wanted a co-founder that I didn't want to like be on this journey alone. And so I ended up asking her if she would want to come on as an advisor to see how we work together with the potential of maybe being a co-founder. And we did that for a little while and just... We make magic together. We really like super complimentary in our skill sets and aligned in values, but also like just have incredible discussions and stuff. So we ended up deciding to go for it. And then we we ended up quitting jobs that we love to, to do <laughs> <it> full times.
1: <laughs> what at what point did you both quit your job?
0: Well, we both gave notice before we launched. So like we launched in February of 2020, and I think I gave my notes in January, and she gave hers in December. And then we both kind of took about four months to extricate ourselves from our, our jobs, you know, because we were both in executive positions, and we didn't want to, like, leave people hanging or anything. So it was, like, April. First, actually, first Carolyn, our VP of engineering, she went full-time a couple weeks before us in the beginning of April, and then then we joined as well. And so, yeah, it was, um, it it just... We, I guess we just kind of got to the point where we're like, we can't not do this. Like, there is a there, there. We're so passionate about it. We just felt like we were meant to do this. So it was, it's an ideal state to be in, I will say, to be able to leave a job because you're running towards something and not running away from something. So I think we all got to have that experience, which is really fortunate.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That sounds awesome. That's very cool. If you, so I know you've written a book, but if you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? <laughs> Ooh. Um, it's my favorite I, question. I, yeah,
0: you. it's a great question. I'm like, I, I feel like I want it to be a pun. I like puns a lot, but I don't have one off the top of my head for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it sounds cheesy, but I like this idea of like no, no right path or something like that, if we're trying to be serious about it. But then maybe I'd come up with a, for your pun name also like a little time
1: depends on the day but I kind of fluctuate I like uh the idea of like what's next because I like to ask questions and I kind of am just like a curious person but I always am kind of for for good and bad reasons but like you know anticipating something else I'm like okay you get one thing you're like okay what's next uh, and <laughs> I like that yeah. I
0: have, a, I have a better one. I have one. I was just telling Katie yesterday, I had a new description for myself. So I'll use this for my book. Needle threader.
1: Which, I like um, that. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's
0: why I didn't know right path. Scratch the last response. <laughs> needle threader because A, I've been getting really into fiber arts over the past couple years. And so like literally threading needles, like embroidery and stuff. And also because I feel like I'm pretty good at threading needles in like complex difficult situation you know like that metaphor of threading a needle where it's like really nuanced and and complex and kind of finding a path through that I think that's one of my kind of superpowers as well so I'm going with needle threader for my biography
1: okay (laughs) I like that a lot that's a really good one that might be one of the best ones I've heard actually so this means that you need to write a book at some point obviously (laughs) yeah I do think
0: I will write another one. Although I'm not sure it will be autobiography. It might be got a lot of ideas out there that, but we'll see. It can be a working title. Okay.
1: (laughs) And you, you, you actually got into writing kind of, well, not late, not that you're old by any means, but like, (laughs) you know, I think you were 36. Yeah. 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 Kind of led you into that.
0: And well, it's actually funny. So I'm 43 now. So yeah, I've only been writing for like the past, I guess, seven years now. So someone re- from like this local, like women in tech organization reached out to ask if I would write a guest blog post for their blog. And I was like, sure, I've never written a blog post before. And so I wrote one and then like people really loved it. And, and so this is, this is like the delusional confidence thing that I do from time to time in my life. But so I took the blog post and I e- cold emailed it to Arianna Huffington. And she wrote back and was like, I love this. And she gave me a byline at Huffington Post. And so I went from never having written to having a Huffington Post byline. And so then I'm like, wow, now that I have this like outlet for writing, I just started writing about all these thoughts. And apparently I was just like ready to do that. I had all these ideas in my head and like the writing just flowed out of me. And it's so funny that I had never realized that that was something that I wanted to do before. But like, as soon as I started, I'm like, oh, this totally is like, an amazing outlet for me and I really enjoy it and people seem to like my writing. And now I have the Forbes byline that I write on my girly now. And I really like the thing that I like about my own story there is that I had no idea that I liked it. And I think that's such a valuable lesson. And same thing, like I started doing aerial acrobatics when I was 30 and had never done any kind of gymnastics or aerial or anything like that before then. And that became a really huge part of my life too. So like I love knowing, and I like to, for other people to know too, that there can be like really, really important parts of yourself that you haven't even discovered yet, you know, and, you know, in the form of creative outlets, but anything really. And knowing that is so exciting because you don't ever have to feel stagnant. You don't have to feel like, oh, I'm already this age, so I'm not going to learn new things or try new things. It's like, no, there could be things that are like the most important thing to you or like, the most valuable way of expressing yourself
1: that you haven't even uncovered yet, you know? Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> it, yeah, that, I mean, as a person who like writes or has like a need to like get things out of my head, like yeah. I can't personally imagine not doing something like that because yeah. I know that I, I would just be stuffed. But I think there's something interesting about that because it sounds like there's almost like a well that like you had to figure out where it was. But it's once you kind of nicked the tap, it just started flowing and you gave it an outlet to to be able to exit and i imagine for a lot of people they probably just maybe they don't spend the time trying to find that or whatever but they have something built up that would enjoy coming out and being shared with other people but they don't necessarily give it the time of day to do that and so i think there's something special about kind of owning that process and allowing yourself to navigate and figure it out and then once you find it just letting it, you know, flow. Yeah,
0: totally. And I think there's actually, interestingly, I'm I'm just kind of uncovering this as we talk right now, but I think there's also like a mental health correlation there as well, as you talk about that well that you tap into, where like I've experienced different bouts of like depression and anxiety in my life. And I think the more that I tap into creative outlets that kind of tap that well, the the more I feel kind of like happy and stable overall (laughs) in my daily life. So I think that like, but yeah, there's a correlation there that I think has, has been positive as I tap into those more.
1: <laughs> Yeah, sweet. All right, I have two final questions for you. Okay. The first of which is, if you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and can travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers, what would you do?
0: Ooh, I'd probably just like transport me and my family to a nice beautiful beach somewhere just to like play in the sands and bob in the waves and just spend 24 hours doing that that's a pretty nice place to be for 24 hours and i would definitely want to be with with my family when when doing that
1: okay very cool very cool and the last one is would 14 year old rebecca be happy with where you are now and what you're doing Uh, yeah i bet so i mean yeah. I was I was in a
0: uh, I was in a weird, rebellious, clowny, lost state at 14. So I don't know if I'd be like impressed with me or maybe just thinking I was like weird and embarrassing. I'm not sure, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the mom figure. <laughs> yeah.
0: <I remember>. And <laughs> like my I mean my kids are eight and ten, but I'm already starting to be kind of weird and embarrassing to them. So It's hard to say, but but assuming that I wasn't in that state, I'd probably be happy with where where I am.
1: My two takeaways from my conversation with Rebecca are first, you don't need an idea right away. Let things simmer, pay attention, and understand what people want and how you could help. The second is own your trail. There is a slight pun intended there. But actually, I mean it. So many people have non-traditional paths or things that are considered hiccups or left turns. But that doesn't mean that you can't forge on. If you look at her background, there's no way that you would have predicted that she would have gotten her act together and would now be running a company that's raising money from VCs. There are so many ways around anything and sharing it with others means that you can get advice from others who have been in your situation or a similar situation, but it also shows others that they aren't alone in going through whatever hiccups and trials that they're personally going through. It makes it a little bit easier to get over those speed bumps that we see and realize that everyone has them and that's just a part of life and what happens.